You're listening to the Modern Web Podcast. For more podcasts, videos, and events, find us online at modern-web.org or follow us on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Modern Web Podcast. I am your host, Lindsay Wardell, software engineer at This.Labs. Today, we are extremely excited to talk about Quasar with Luke Diebold. Welcome, Luke. Hello, everybody. Coming at you from Australia. Yeah, we've got two corners of the world here. <laughs> yeah, we really do have two corners of the world. Yeah. Thank you, Internet. Definitely. Uh, Luke, would you mind introducing yourself for our audience? Yeah, my name's Luke Diebold. I am a web developer, and I've fallen in love with a framework called Quasar. And yeah, well, pretty much I spend all of my time working on a website called quasarcast.com, where I build um, courses to help people with Quasar. And that's kind of what I do in my spare time. And then during the day, I work at a company called AgriPath, where we help farmers with data collection. So yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Both of those topics sound really interesting. Um, I, I like the idea of just data collection for, for agricultural work. Uh, I previously worked at a freight forwarding company working with farmers. So that, that interests me a lot. Yeah, uh, awesome. It, it's it's a it's a a really really cool job. It's also kind of scary because like you're always always they're always coming up with new ways to collect data. It's not just like flat data where they'll say, okay, now we're collecting this about a crop, or now we're collecting that about um, I don't know livestock. Everything ends up really nested, and then you, you know you you have to start looking at data through different points of time. And it's, it's really interesting, like you get to, we get to tackle some interesting challenges around database design as well as like front end. So it's cool. I love it. Nice. Um, before we dive too far into Quasar, how did you get involved in, in Vue first off, but how did you get involved in the Quasar ecosystem? Yeah. Go, oh, how far should I go back here? Um, well, I'll give a brief sort of background. Uh, I actually started off as a classical pianist um, slash musical theater person. So I went up to university and studied musical theater and classical piano in Western Australia. And about halfway through my classical piano degree, we learned this musical language called solfege, which is like do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. And through, after learning that language, I kind of became obsessed with it. It's like, all of a sudden I could start hearing sounds in the real world and I could convert them into music and like write it down. And so I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And we had this amazing, amazing solfege teacher. And he used to teach us all of these different games of learning solfege. And I used to like walk home from university singing solfege to myself being like, do re mi, do mi, do fa mi. And I was like playing all these games. And I thought, you know what? I really want to build something that helps me learn this better so that I can help other people learn this better as well. And I had very little coding experience at the time. Um, by the way, there's a lesson in this story. Um, but I had this like really large vision then of this application that I wanted to build, which was a solfege application that would allow people to learn music theory and oral um, through this musical language. And so I started learning web development because I wanted to build this application. It was a lot later in my life. I think I was in my 20s by then. Um, but yeah, through that, I did this course called the Complete Web Developer Course by this guy called Rob Percival. It was 
awesome. If you're new to web and you're listening to this, um, definitely check that course out. And then from there, um, I kind of got my feelers out for a good framework to use. And then I discovered Laravel for the back end. Um, and through Laravel, there's a website called Laracast. And um, Jeffrey Way, who runs Laracast, um, introduced Vue. And then I fell in love with Vue. I tried some other things like Angular, which didn't really stick. And then, yeah, I discovered Vue, fell in love with Vue. And from there, I just kind of ended up stumbling across Quasar. Yeah. Well, yeah, actually, the, the way I found Quasar was I went, to a, I went to a meetup and people were talking about material design. And I hated writing CSS and I hated doing design stuff. I was spending about 70% of my coding time writing CSS, um, designing things because I had this like obsessive, have to get all the pixels right kind of mentality. Thank goodness I don't have that anymore. And then when I found out about material design and that Google had done all of this work to figure out a design language that worked really well for people, I'm just like, Yes, I want I want this. And so I went into the view world and I'm looking up like view material design, whatever. And so I come across um frameworks like I think there's there's different like view frameworks for CSS, which I came across first. Then there was like Viewify, which I tried for a little while. Then I discovered discovered Quasar and I was like, whoa, this is out of this world. I've never discovered anything like this. And we can kind of dig into more about why that was, I guess, um later in the podcast. So yeah, that's a bit of my backstory. Awesome. And you said at this point you're you're doing a website, QuasarCasts, is that correct? Yeah, QuasarCast.com. And if you go to that website, actually, at the top of the page, there are two videos. The first one is like a complete beginner series. Um, that's halfway done. By the time this podcast is released, it might actually be fully done. And there's another one that kind of just gives you a quick breakdown of um, how Quasar works. It shows you a lot of the fundamentals that you might get stuck on if you're first starting with Quasar. But then if you scroll down, it's just a whole bunch of videos. It's all free. Um, I plan on doing a subscription service, but that's not for like a few months' time. So, yeah, if you want to learn Quasar, quasarcast.com. Check it out. Yeah, this looks great. There's lots of resources here to, to just get up and started. So yep. let's, let's just dive into Quasar a little bit first. So you discovered it uh, by chance, and you were specifically interested because it was a material framework. You didn't have to worry about writing CSS. Uh, and mm -hmm. it provided a really nice language. Is Quasar purely a component library then? Is this uh, a comparison against Vuetify or if you're using React, uh, some of the material UI that's in the React ecosystem? Yeah, this is a great question. And I need to be careful answering this because I think it tends to confuse people. Yes, Quasar is a UI framework. And if you want, you can just use it as a UI framework. And in my opinion, it is one of the best UI frameworks on the planet. The components are amazing. The API is incredibly consistent and beautiful. And if you want to get up and running just with like some basic stuff like building tables or cards or whatever, it's super, super easy to get started. However, the reason I've stuck with it so long is that the component library is extendable to the nth degree. If you want to remove that material design feel, it's totally simple to do. And it's got slots all over the place so you can, you can customize it um, basically exactly how you like it. It's wonderful in that regard. So yes, it is a component library. However, one of the big sells of Quasar is that it by default, um, and it's been built from the ground up to be able to export to all platforms. So you can build it as an Electron app. You can have it as a, so as a desktop application, as a native mobile application, as a PWA. Um, you can use SSR. 
You can build an SPA with it. And once again, I need to be careful saying this because I think a lot of people hear this and go, well, it must do a mediocre job of that. If it's trying to export to all of these platforms, then um, maybe it doesn't build a very good SPA. Totally not the case. It builds an amazing SPA and it tackles that problem perfectly. It tackles all of these problems beautifully. Like, trust me, you got to try it to know, um, to actually know for yourself. Uh, it, it's created a, an amazing development experience for all of these platforms in one framework. Truly mind blowing. In fact, at work, we only use Quasar for an SPA. Uh, we we don't even like we we might end up exporting to a mobile application or a desktop application as well in the future. But man, we, we're loving the SPA so much, the SPA functionality that that's what we're doing and it's working wonders for us. And so that, that's the first thing. It's a component library. It exports to all platforms. But the other big thing is that it gives a full developer experience. And so it's got things like date utility libraries. You don't have to use it if you don't want to, but it's got like all these different like CSS and utility libraries that you can pull in if you want to. Um, and once again, I need to be careful saying this because then I think, like I used to think that Quasar must have a massive footprint, not the case. By default, Quasar has a very small footprint. It does, of course, you know, all that stuff with tree shaking to make sure the file size is really small, but it gives a, a full developer experience in that you've got all these different utility libraries that you can just pluck stuff out of if you like. So if you're like, oh, I need to do this, um, you know, this basic date formatting thing, you can pluck it out of Quasar and then work with dates the quasar way or if you want to deal with colors and change them to different shades then it's got a library for that as well so you can sort of pluck out the exact functionality that you need for that uh so yeah and as you can see i've just like fallen in love with this framework and you know there's some of the things that make it different to other frameworks it exports to all platforms it's got an insane component library um and it gives you a real full developer experience okay so someone coming into quasar that's that's like wow this is overwhelming this is this is a little hard to believe like you said how can how can a framework really be a very very good and b provide all of this content at the same time uh, i think a lot of people if they're thinking they want to build a mobile application they're going to look at something more like react native if they if they know javascript or one of the other cross-platform applications uh, or they might look at ionic if they want to build an Electron app, they're going to look at Electron starter templates or some other way of rendering a website in a, in a desktop application. But Quasar does all of this at once and does it well is what you're saying. Yeah, it's, that, that's pretty much it. It's, it's hard to believe and you just have to use it and experience it to truly get it. Like it's, it's, it really is that good. So let's say that I want to start a new app or let's, let's, let me back up. I have an existing application. I'm using Vue. I've got my application. Uh, I'm, let's say I'm using the, the Vue CLI for a single page application at the moment. How hard is it to start integrating Quasar into my app so that I can start using it? Yeah. So if you're using Vue CLI, then it's really easy because you can just, you know, add it in as a Vue CLI plugin. Um, however, if you're using Vue CLI, um, CLI, you're going to have to do a little bit of extra work to export to all platforms. So one of the reasons it does such a great job exporting to all platforms is that Quasar is um, like there's no main JS file when you use Quasar's CLI. So it's got its own CLI. And by doing that, by having its own main.js file, by basically taking control of that, 
it allows it to tap in in all the places that it needs to, to export to all these different platforms. Now, having said that, Quasar does have boot files as well that allow you to basically um, tap into view and configure things however you like. You can even tap into the Webpack config so you can configure that however you like. Uh, so you can do it that way, or you can use Quasar with Vue CLI um, if you've got like an existing project. You just need to know though that it's going to take a little bit of extra work to export to different platforms when you go down that route. So if you're starting a new project, definitely if you can use um, use the Quasar CLI, but Vue CLI is going to work. And I know that some people might want to use Vue CLI, you know, for whatever reason. So that is available too. And if you're just wanting to use the Vue CLI and, and bring in the component part of Quasar, the, the extra overhead isn't really an issue because you're just accessing components at that point, right? No, so there, there's going to be a little bit of extra overhead. And I mean like a really little bit, just for little things like um, Quasar then gives you like a global dollar sign Q object. And that gives you things like access to your screen size, the platform that you're on, and a couple of little things that Quasar needs to work. Um, but the footprint, I, I haven't got the exact numbers with me. I really should get that so that I can say it when I'm in the middle of a podcast. <laughs> but the footprint is small. Uh, and then you can just kind of pull in whatever component that you desire. Okay. So it, it really sounds like Quasar is is a full framework for building applications, full stop, not just like web applications. It is a framework for building applications across platforms. Uh, and that's really how we should think of it. It's a batteries included way to build applications. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? That's one of the hard things with the hard things with the quote unquote cell of Quasar. Because um, I think people come across it and think this is about building, this is about building, plat you know, an application for all these different platforms. And yes, it does that well, but the component library really is second to none. All right, I've said that like three times now, so <laughs> just want to drive that home. Like, you really do need to play around with it and experience to be like, experience it to be like, whoa, like this API is insane. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying, I'm asking these questions because I'm trying to come up with the right comparison for what Quasar is compared to something else. And if we compare it against something like Vutify or <clears throat> one of the other material frameworks out there, it doesn't quite match because those other frameworks don't provide you with Electron apps or mobile apps or server-side rendering. They just provide the components. Uh, but if you compare it against something like React Native, React Native provides you with the framework to build mobile apps and um, more recently, they've been working on desktop apps, but it doesn't provide you with the components necessarily. Yeah. So, I mean, what what's a really good comparison or does this Quasar stand on its own? Uh, it's interesting you say that. Like, we, we actually talked internally about possibly having some sort of a comparison chart for Quasar. Um, I don't know if we will eventually, but in the end, we decided not to simply because it doesn't really feel fair to compare it to other frameworks. Um, I, I honestly can't think of another framework that does something like this. Maybe somebody can let me know there probably is something out there that tries to achieve something similar. Uh, but especially in the view world, it's it's pretty unique in what it's what it's doing here. Yeah, I mean, the closest I'm coming to is something like Flutter from Google, because you that can build actually, mobile yeah. applications, you can build desktop applications, you can sort of build web applications. That's something they want to work on. Yeah. That actually, that's probably the fairest um, comparison. I actually did a podcast with a, a guy on the Flutter 
uh, in the Flutter world. Um, oh man, his his name is escaping me at the moment. Oh, that's really bad. But yeah, I, I did a podcast with him. We talked about some of the differences between Quasar and Flutter. Um, one of the main differences is Flutter is trying to be closer to the hardware. It's more native. Whereas Quasar is, we're going to build a view website and then we're going to compile that. So if you wanted to get closer to the hardware and get like serious performance, then you might want to go with something like Flutter. Um, having said that, you do get some pretty insane performance these days with building, um, with with converting web applications to mobile applications. Plus there's the added deve development bonus of, you're already a JavaScript developer. You're already able to work with Vue. Or if you're a React developer and Angular developer, it's not as it's not as much to learn as it would be if you went to something like Dart or uh, Swift UI or something like that, if you're thinking about a mobile application. So your your time to get started is just that much faster. Yeah. It's it's like instant. It's like Quasar create my project, Quasar Dev. And there it's, you go. Yeah. Yeah. The first time actually the first time I did that, Quasar create the name of my project. And I was like Quasar Dev and everything just worked. And then Quasar Dev, and I think it's dash M to change the mode to Electron or whatever it was. And then I have an Electron app and I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then I'm like Quasar Dev PWA. And then I've got a PWA app. And I'm like, I wonder if I can do this at the same time. So then I'm like Quasar Dev SPA. And then I've got another one with a PWA and Electron app. And I've got all these windows open on my screen. And it was the weirdest experience when I first tried that. I'm thinking, wait, what? This is insane. Wait, this works? <laughs> yeah, I didn't even do anything. <laughs> this isn't fair. Unfair advantage, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little about how Quasar is doing this under the hood. Uh, obviously, for, for building a web application, it's using Vue. So yeah. that, that part is fairly straightforward. You're rendering a Vue application. Um, does it handle both? I think, I think you said this. It handles both SPA and server-side rendering, correct? Yeah, so you can do SPA, PWA in terms of um, web-based stuff, SPA, PWA, SSR, or there's even an SSR PWA option, um, which a lot of people don't know about. I only discovered it recently. But basically, if you want to build like the fastest web app you can, you can use a combination of SSA, SSA, gosh, now I'm making stuff up, <laughs> SSR and PWA, which means you get like some insane caching benefits. But when you get that first load, it's going to come, um, it's going to come server side. Do you need to couple that with something like Nuxt to get the, the full benefits? Or do you need to hook it up to an express server? Or does Quasar just generate a node server for you that will do all the rendering? Okay, this is getting a bit out of my realm. Okay. Um, so I'll tell, you the, I'll tell you the length of what I know. I actually don't do a lot of SSR stuff because I don't have to deal much with SEO. Um, but it does. So you can hook into it and basically handle the SSR side of things yourself. But Quasar does it kind of its own. It's kind of got its own rolled out. I think it uses Node by default under the hood. But if you want to tap into that and change the way stuff is rendered or whatever you SSR cool kids are doing these days, then yes, you can do that. And in Quasar version 2, which came out a few months ago, which is using Vue 3, by the way, um, in Quasar version 2, they introduced the concept of middleware. Um, and honestly, I don't fully understand what that means, but it means that you can tap in to SSR-related stuff, basically. And you can organize that code really nicely by using um, middleware files. 
It's kind of okay. like a boot file, but for SSR. Yeah, I mean, Nuxt has that pattern as well, and I would imagine um, Next.js or any of any of the other SSR frameworks would do some, something similar, where you can create a middleware file, and for certain API routes or certain page routes, that file would would be processed and run. Um, so that could be an authentication layer that could just be uh, a ping to a webhook saying somebody accessed this page. Yeah, whatever level of complexity you need there. Yeah, so so when you build to these different platforms, Quasar gives you a folder that basically allows you to tap into that platform. So with SSR, you're going to get a folder with some files where you can easily tap into SSR-related stuff. Um, and then middleware just, it makes it a little bit easier rather than jumping into these files and trying to find out how to import the right things you need to import and figure all that out yourself. You can just easily create a middleware file that exposes everything you need and you just tap into that. So I imagine, yeah, it's probably similar to, to something like what Nux does. That's awesome. Um, so let's see. So you've got the PWA option as well. Uh, do you need to do any sort of configuration on that service worker or better question, how hard is it to do uh, your own custom configuration on the service worker? Oh, thankfully it's pretty much all handled for you. Because man, I have I have not those things down, are hard. <laughs> I have not gone down that avenue very much yet, and I hope it actually looks like we're going to have to sometime soon at work. Oh, service workers—they just—they scare me a little bit. So yeah, Quasar, I, I, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say I wrote one service worker by hand at a previous company uh, because we were using Vue CLI, and I just I just needed it for one little thing, but it's just so tedious to work on and then have to clear out the cache manually and update everything to make sure it's all working. And it's just that much harder to test. Uh, I, I really appreciate that from, from what it sounds like you're about to say, there there is a very built-in way for Quasar to handle that for you. Yeah. To, to me, service workers are like, you're just going for a nice stroll, writing some code, having a good time, whacking some Quasar components in here and there. And then you fall into a hole and if you go into a whole different new world, a different like planet, that's what a service worker is. And then when you're done, you get to sort of climb out of that hole. And anyway, terrible analogy. Uh, yeah, but so Quasar exposes all of that service workery type stuff to you. So I remember I used one recently to make it so that you get that little refresh button on the, you know, when there's updates to a PWA, you can show like a notification and say, hey, do you, want, you get it on the view website. And then you can press OK and it will refresh everything behind the scenes so that your app stays super, super fast. And it's just going to fetch those updates in the background. Really, like, really cool pattern. And honestly, I pretty much just swiped what was in the Quasar docs and whacked it into my, into my project. So, yeah, Quasar gives you access to all the service workery type stuff in that PWA folder. Um, I never really touch it. But if you want to go down into that avenue, then absolutely you can. You can jump into the PWA folder and go to town. Awesome. Yeah, that's, I mean, you, you've said this once uh, that Quasar provides that level of uh, configuration for, for a developer to change the components. It's nice to see that that applies to the rest of the framework as well. I mean, with SSR, you're able to do middleware, you're able to configure that, you can uh, dump it into your own Express app if you need to. With PWA, you can access the service worker and change it fairly easily, but there is a guided, more or less a guided mode for, for handling it if you don't want to. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's really smartly done because it's basically saying I'm going to allow you to export to all platforms easily. You're going to do zero work. You run the command, and I will put this into a different platform for you, and it'll just work. However, if you're a more advanced user, if you want to do something like use Electron and access the camera, maybe. If you want to jump into these different worlds, I'm going to make it ridiculously easy for you to dive into those worlds. Uh, so that's that's kind of what it's doing behind the scenes. It's one of the things I love about Quasar. It's, it's, it's really, really carefully thought out in terms of how the API is set up so that you can change these things if you need to and you're more of a power user. Um, but for an average Joe developer like me, <laughs> who's just like, I just want to get a desktop application working. I don't care about this other stuff. It's, it's easy. Nice. So let, let's keep going through the options Quasar provides here. Um, let's look at desktop app, because you just mentioned that. Obviously, it's using Electron to, to build the application. Uh, but what does it look like if I were actually to try and build an application for Quasar using Electron? One of the, the key things I run into, uh, and I think it's very common if you're trying to build an app for both Web and Electron, is determining if you're actually inside Electron or not, and yeah. only running certain code if you're if you're in that electron window and you you have access to the APIs, so you can pass it over to the 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 main thread and create additional windows or do whatever you need to do. Uh, so, yeah. what does it look like building an application, a desktop application, using Quasar? Yeah, so I, I haven't done a lot of desktop application stuff. Um, so I'll answer the question to my, to the best of my knowledge. Um, but you, yeah, you can do all that stuff, obviously, you know, where you can hook into your Electron-related code. Um, but in terms of doing, um, like, knowing whether or not you're in an Electron app versus not in an Electron app, um, I think there's some, like, Webpack-related stuff you can do to, like, check your environment. Um, but there's also other things like hiding and showing components based on the platform that you're on. Like, Quasar has made that ridiculously easy. So you've got like CSS um, helper classes that you can use to easily show and hide divs, for example, based on the platform that you're on. Um, if you want to go a little bit deeper, you can tap into Quasar's uh, global, I guess, global object, I guess you'd call it. And in that, you can have a look at the screen size. You can have a look at what platform you're on. And, you know, you can see the difference of whether or not you're on a mobile or a desktop, or whether or not it's Electron or not. So all that kind of stuff is is really easy to do with Quasar. You know, like I said, it was it's kind of been built from the ground up with exporting to other platforms in mind. So there's a whole bunch of little helpers built in to try and make your life easier uh, with that kind of thing. So I'm thinking about my specific use cases of using Electron and Vue. Um, does that provide the uh, the communication layer? So if you, I need to go from a view app to the main Electron thread, it provides that kind of mechanism so I can go back and forth pretty easily, right? Yeah, yeah. So you'd be inside of your Electron folder um, because you're going to get a new folder for Electron. Um, I, th I think there's a few files in there. One of them is called like main. It probably looks very similar to when you start an Electron application with Vue. I think you can do it with Vue CLI or something. Yeah, yeah. The So actually, I'm using that. The, in the Vue CLI, there's, a, there's an Electron uh, plugin that you can use. And it creates the, well, you've got main.js, which is your, your Vue app, background.js, which is the main Electron file. Yeah. Uh, and then following the Electron guidelines, you can use a preload.js. 
to pass specific functionality from Electron into your, your SPA. So in my case, I'm specifically passing the, the communication, the, I just blanked on what it was, but the receiver and the sender so that I can pass data between the Electron thread and the UI. Okay, whilst we have this conversation, I'm gonna like just fire up a Quasar application and, and, and put it into Electron mode to see what we get there. Because everything you just said then sounds familiar to me. I'm pretty sure, yes, we do get those. We, we do get those. I mean, like I said, I don't spend a lot of time building Electron apps, <laughs> which is cool. It's one of the cool things about Quasar. Like if you don't want to jump into that world, you don't have to. You just jump into the worlds that you're interested in. Yeah, I, I really like the flexibility that Quasar gives there. Um, I mean, we're talking about all these features that there are a lot of frameworks that just focus on one of these things. Like yeah. you want to build a mobile application. Let's say you're using Ionic. Ionic is an excellent tool for building a mobile application. You're not going to use it to build an Electron app straight from Ionic, I don't believe. Uh, I don't know. And, I haven't had a lot of experience with, with Ionic. Is it just a component library or other stuff uh, as well? My understanding is it's a component library and allows you to build mobile apps. Um, so it's using uh, Cordova under the or capacitor now under the hood. Um, but it just provides you with the components to build mobile applications. I don't think by default it does desktop apps. Right. If anyone's listening and knows otherwise, please feel free to reach out to us. Yeah, <laughs> not a lot of um, Cordova experience. Okay, I've almost got this running, so I'm going to tell you what's in Source Electron. you got Electron Main and Electron Preload. Yep, that sounds right. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> the definitive and answer. Have, and now I have an Electron app up and running that isn't doing anything. All right, cool. <laughs> we got to the Excellent. bottom of that. Cool. Yeah, I, I really appreciate the ability to use an Electron app like that. I mean, it's not every day that you need to build an actual desktop app. Most cases, I think, can be solved with a web app um, or a PWA, especially since if you're using the, the Chrome browser, then PWAs have all of the functionality of desktop apps for the most part. Uh, but occasionally, you're going to have a, a client or just somebody who needs to use Electron, or you just want to explore and have fun, which is what I do more than anything with Electron. Uh, and yeah. so you can build that desktop experience and Quasar provides that for you. That's really nice. Yeah. To, to me, the only reason I would go down that route is if I wanted to have like an application you can install because some people, I don't know, they put more value onto something if they can install it onto their desktop or if I wanted to get super, super close to the hardware. Otherwise, like you said, PWAs are just so great these days. They're covering so many of these bases and I really hope that TWAs, which um, which is a trusted web application, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I could be getting this wrong, but I'm pretty sure TWA is like a PWA, but you can install it in the Android app store. And so you get that feeling like you're installing an app, but it's basically just um, just a PWA that ends up on on your mobile device. So especially if that kind of thing proliferates, I'm just thinking wow, like Electron apps might actually start to become redundant. I hope so. <laughs> I mean, it'd be nice. I'm sure a majority of developers having to run Slack or Discord or any number of PW or Microsoft Teams, uh, 
be, I'm sure everyone would enjoy having all that RAM back so they can actually build applications. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Uh, let's explore mobile app development a little bit. Um, and I, I've heard that you're a little more focused on the web, but I want to I want to see as much as you know on this. What is Quasar using under the hood to build the mobile applications? Either Cordova or Capacitor. So originally it was just Cordova, but I think like about a year ago they introduced Capacitor as well. So w would you mind going into a bit of those um, as much as you know? <laughs> which is which is not a lot. So. Um, once again, most cases, I would just use a PWA unless there's a really good reason that you might want to have it. Like you want it to show up on the, the app store so that you can get more people using your app. You're um, targeting Apple. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's, that's a good point. Um, but yeah, even, even Apple supports, uh, PWAs, but I think it's, it's not as nice an experience for the user to install your application, which is fair enough. So one of the other reasons you might want to use Cordova is so that you can, or Capacitor, so that you can use those plugins. So if you want to have like closer connection to the hardware, you might go ahead and install um, a camera plugin. Or I'm pretty sure PWAs don't actually have very precise GPS. To get more precise GPS, you might need to actually make it a Cordova app or, or a Capacitor app. And, and another reason you might actually want to go to those is, is background jobs. Um, I think you get a nicer experience with running things in the background for stuff like notifications. Um, but that's, to the best of my knowledge, that's kind of the most legitimate reasons you might want to use Cordova or Capacitor. And once again, it's just like using normal Cordova and Capacitor, where if you like, you can tap into this extra stuff. But for the most part, Quasar is going to do all of that work for you. Nice. And yeah, I, I agree. In general, PWA is the way to go. Um, unfortunately, Apple support is lagging compared to Android. Um, so if you need to target iOS, that might be a good reason. Um, there was another show that uh, we did at this dot uh, called Build It Better, where we had a roundtable discussion about mobile apps and uh, PWAs. If you are interested in that topic, we go over it a lot. Uh, so highly recommend that one. When, oh, I'm interested. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, so Luke, with... When you're doing Electron, it sounds like an Electron folder is created for your application where all the Electron-specific code happens. I would imagine the same is true for mobile development. If you're wanting to target mobile, you can say, I want Android, I want iOS, and it creates separate folders, and the, the platform-specific code goes into each of those. Is that accurate? Good question. Once Let's again, find out. Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's another one where I guess I could just open that in code now. Um, and, and just, you know, quickly run a check. I don't know, is this podcast edited or are we just going to like... It, it can be edited. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll quickly just have a look at this. Quasar build. I don't even know what those modes are called. So one would be iOS, I guess. Let's try that. Sounds right. Yeah, there we go. Now it's going to try and do iOS related stuff. Oh, I haven't even got Cordova installed on my computer. So oh, okay. Even... Don't worry about it. That's how much time I spend on on, on mobile <laughs> applications. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. We're hitting the, the limits of my knowledge now because yeah. Oh, you're but fine. Like yeah, but yeah. But once again, the reason that I use Quasar really is just SPA and PWAs and a little bit of SSR. 
Um, and and I think this is one of the things like that that might turn people away from Quasar. The fact that it does all of those things might make it seem a little bit bloated. But you know, as I've talked about before, even, like someone like me who has spent years and years with Quasar now is just building SPAs and PWAs. Like that's what I do with my time, and I love it so much. I haven't even felt the need to explore these other export options. You know, a little bit of Electron here and other stuff there, but for the most part, just all of my problems for SPA and PWA have just been solved. And that's why I've stuck to, to Quasar. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to need to play with Quasar more and just explore it and, and figure out all of, I mean, all the questions that I'm having. It's just because it's I'm getting all these ideas. It's like, Oh, I can build this with Quasar. I can do everything with Quasar. What can't I do with Quasar? I mean, that would be my next question. Is there anything in your perspective that you cannot do with Quasar? Uh, where you'd want to turn to a different tool? Good question. So I guess one thing people could say is if they don't want to use material design, um, I would push back on that a little bit though, simply because it's so easy to configure. Like, actually, this is, this is a good thing to talk about. Like what actually is material design? It's kind of, I talked about this in the Flutter podcast and at least for me, material design isn't, it's a set of rules that you follow in order to make nice looking web applications. So the way I see material design is it's a place that you start with and by default, everything's going to look nice. You don't have to worry about styling or anything like that. It's just going to make things look beautiful from the get-go. But one of the cool things about material design is it really is just kind of a framework that you can then build on top of if you like. And so once you've kind of whacked your components all over the place and it's kind of laid out how you like it, you can then start saying, all right, I want this toolbar to be flat and I want my buttons over here to be flat because I prefer that design. Or maybe I'd rather an outline design on this input. Or maybe I want to change like the colors over here. Like material design is doing far less, I think, than most people think. It's adding a few shadows here and there, but Quasar makes it really easy to then just say, flat you literally just add flat to anything with a shadow and it's going to be flat or you literally just add outline and it's going to be outlined it's like it's it's as simple as that and so i, I guess one of the things is maybe you want to take total control over your design from the ground up but yeah once again i push back on that simply because it is so easy to remove yourself from material design so in fact i think this is a good message to a lot of people out there who are anti-material design um just it, it's okay to use material design to get your foundation and then basically abuse it and just start changing tiny bits and pieces here and there until it looks how you want it to look and that's what i do and that's what a lot of people do with material design they just butcher it till it's not material design anymore and that's okay it's a good starting point it's not something that you need to stick to your whole life as a developer yeah it's it's not some sort of holy book that has come down from Google that we must uh, adhere to 100%. You can do what you want with it because you're building your own app. It's not like you're going to get a code review from the, the designers at Google. Yeah, exactly. And they're probably not going to reject your app. I don't know. Maybe they would if it's not usable enough, but yeah. Well, but that's they're a prob- different issue. They're not going to be like, oh, this, this card isn't shadowed. I'm going to reject this application. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, one of one of the issues I've had in the past with uh, with component libraries like this, and use Bootstrap as an example. 
I get into it, I start building my application. The speed of using components is so nice. I'm able to just get started and build out something. And then I need to do something custom. And I'm stuck because I'm, I'm using that tool. That tool says, yeah. and using Bootstrap as the example, you've got three button sizes and it looks like this and you want something else, you're gonna, you're gonna have to fight it tooth and nail. Uh, on that application, I actually ended up using like two or three different component libraries in the end just to get what I wanted because I couldn't convince Boots. It was early in my, my career as well, but you know, I couldn't convince Bootstrap to do what I wanted to do. So I had to bring in something else that would. Um, and it sounds like for the most part, Quasar doesn't force you into that. You're, you're allowed to convert it into what you need. You're allowed to change the styles. You're not fighting against the framework to get the design that you want. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is, this is so true. I remember when I was building this, this self-edge application, you know, way back when I was getting into web development way back, it wasn't that long ago. It's like six or seven years ago. Um, yeah, I, I remember pulling a bootstrap and for some reason it didn't do some of the layout stuff I needed. And so I brought in like another CSS library just for layout stuff. And then bringing in, like I used to go to CodePen, I think, or maybe it was something different at the time. And I'd go through those designs and try and find designs for things like cards that I really liked. And then I'd copy paste that CSS in and try and get things to look how I want it to look. And it was just a nightmare. But like, once again, I can't get over, and I really wish I could. The, the problem is everybody just has to use it to understand this. So please, if you're listening to this, just try it, if only to know what it looks like to have a phenomenal API for a component library, if only as a research project for yourself. Because like little things like, like the buttons for Quasar, they have a default look that they have, but then you can tap into it and say, okay, I want to change the inside of the button so that it looks like this. Um, I want to flatten my button. I want to make it an unelevated, they've got unelevated versus flat, which is different. So unelevated will remain, will keep the color as the background, but then flat will make the text the color um, of whatever color you're using for the button. So like all those little details like that, it's all been thought out. Things like adding more putting, adding padding just to the x-axis or to the y-axis, like all that kind of stuff is really easy to configure with with a Quasar button. Like seriously, we could do a podcast on a Quasar button, even though to use it, you just say Q-button and then you give it a label. That's it. You get a button and it works or Q-button and you give it an icon and it just works. We could still do a whole podcast on that button component because it is so extensible. That's just so, it feels right. It's, it's the direction that things should go. I mean, we, I was just talking about the, the component libraries I've used in the past and I end up fighting against all of them. So I, I became allergic to using frame, framework <laughs> tools like that. You know, like I look at Vutify and it's nice and I've used it. I always feel like I'm fighting against it to some degree or another. And that's, that's part of why I like Tailwind is I don't feel like I'm fighting against Tailwind. Tailwind is assisting me. And it sounds like Quasar in many ways is just doing the same thing. It's just assisting you to build a good design. Mm, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, there are there are 72 components last time I counted with Quasar. By the way, I'm doing an entire series on every single component. So soon there's going to be a video for every component uh, inside of the documentation, all 72 of them. I've dedicated like the past two or three months of my life to it. It is so draining, but I've almost gotten it done. <laughs> so we, soon you'll be able to learn every single 
component if you want to. But I, anyway, back to what I was actually saying. I have never, and I've been working at this company for like five years now, this, um, this data collection company. I have never felt the need to reach for a different component library. I've never needed to input data from a user and not had a component available to me um, through Quasar. That, that is insane. I felt that feeling of needing a component so many times in the past, and I've always had to reach to other libraries. The only other components I've built in is for graphing-related stuff because Quasar doesn't care about graphing, and I'm, I'm glad it doesn't because <laughs> there's so many different ways that you can do it. So we've brought in our own graphing libraries. But, yeah, I've never felt that urge to have a look at another component. And if you've ever felt that pain in the past, of knowing what it's like to be like, okay, I need a slider component. Oh, my slider component can't do this. I need to go find another library. Oh, it doesn't do it. I'm going to have to put in my own CSS. Oh, the CSS isn't enough. I now need to like do some more coding so that I can add like a, a label in a different position here. Or, you know, the, the button doesn't quite look right or the padding isn't right here. Or, oh, they've already put padding into the dialogue. I wanted a dialogue with no padding, you know, stuff like that. Um, by the way, I learned a lot about building my own APIs through through this as well. Like often with my own APIs, I would add things like padding to a dialogue, which is a bad idea. So what like Quasar's dialogue is nothing but a dialogue. You open it, it'll literally be a shadow in the background, nothing inside. You add the card yourself, and you add um, you add the padding to that card yourself. And the cool thing about that is if you want to have a dialogue that's got bits and pieces all over the place that that don't have their own background, you can do it. So like if you've ever used Trello, for example, um, Trello has this thing where it's kind of hard to explain, actually. I'll, I'll do my best, though, where they've got like a, a toolbar at the top or some options at the top, but then some transparent space and then some other options there. Like you can do that with Quasar because they haven't added a background to their dialogue. So all these tiny little things have just been really well thought out so that you have that optimal flexibility, but it's really easy to build this stuff from the ground up. Yeah, this sounds great. Uh, one question that you, or not one question, one thing that you noted earlier is that Quasar, the, the current version of Quasar is using Vue 3, uh, which is very exciting considering I think of the major frameworks that use Vue, Quasar is first. Uh, as of this point in recording, uh, Nuxt has not released Nuxt 3. Uh, Vuetify 3 is still in alpha. Uh, so the major, the major libraries and frameworks out there to, that use Vue are still on Vue 2. Everyone is still in the process of upgrading. Uh, is there anything, I mean, first off, I want to know about that. Like, what was that experience <laughs> as part of the upgrade path for, for Vue 2 to Vue 3 for a major library or framework rather? Um, but also, are there any changes between Quasar 1 and Quasar 2 that people should be excited about? Um, the, good, the, the good news is there's actually not a lot of changes. And that's great because Quasar version 1 had such a stellar API um, that when they moved to Quasar version two, there were a couple of few things that changed in order to align with the way view three does stuff. Um, so stuff like related to classes, like some things like styles and classes are a lot more transparent in view three when you've got, when you're using components. And so a couple of things like that have changed where you don't have to do as much wrapping anymore. So for example, in a dialogue, in order to do some 
classes inside of that dialogue, you'd have to say content dash classes um, rather than just saying classes. Whereas thanks to Vue 3, um, you don't have to do that anymore. Like Quasar didn't have to do some crazy stuff under the hood to make that work. Um, yeah, but I, th I think the reason, honestly, this still blows my mind. It baffles me that Razvan, the creator of Quasar, was able to do this. I, I, don't, under I don't understand. Like he's, I think in my head, I've built up this story where I imagine him just in this dark room coding like an absolute pro. And there's all these like lights twink like in the background and his, you know, keyboard is on fire and like his left hand is going while he's drinking a coffee with his right hand. Um, you know, I've got this image in my head, but he must have just sat down for like two or three weeks and just smashed it out. I, I don't know. I don't know how he managed to get this done so quickly. I think it might partly be a testament to the quality of the code base itself. Actually, that's another thing I should mention. He Razvan is absolutely obsessed with performance, like obsessed with performance. These the quasar components are really, really performant, um, and they built from the ground up with performance in mind. Uh, and I don't know; it must just be like part of his personality, where he will see like a pull request and he'll make tweaks here and there just to improve the performance. He cares so much about these finer details. So, yeah, I, I don't know how they were able to do it. I think that was a question. <laughs> it was, it was, yeah. And I think that attention to detail shows in just how performant the, the framework is in general, considering all of the targets for deployment that it has. I mean, the fact that it works so well uh, is a testament to the performance of it. Yeah, yeah, he must, um, that must be one of the things, like he probably thought, early on, I need to make sure that this is performant. To be honest, though, I, I think that there's a few people in this world, a few coders in this world that are just, there's something else. They're like on a different level. And I hear people in the team talk about this, um, you know, on several occasions. Razvan is just on a different level. He th he's just got this all-encompassing knowledge of the framework. He's just got this amazing knowledge of this deep understanding of how JavaScript works and how the reactivity system in Vue works that to a level that most people don't have. And I think for that reason, like and once again, I don't know if this is true, but I imagine him like going to bed at night and having like dreams of what his code is going to look like. And he like architects these mastermind, you know, ways of building components. And then he wakes up in the morning and the code is in his head. Yeah, okay. In the music world, we hear about Mozart, right? And how Mozart apparently already knew operas. He already had operas in his head. And the hard part was writing it out because he, because he already knew exactly what it was going to sound like. He'd already written the whole thing and he'd go to people and he'd sell it. He'd pre-sell his operas and be like, this has already been written in my head. And they're like, oh, we need to see the manuscript. And he's like, no, you don't need the manuscript. I already know what it's going to sound like. It's, it's in my head. I just need to write it out. Because he was so busy, he would just be like, he would write the operas in his head first, sell it, and then do it. I imagine Razvan like this, where he's just got this amazing ability to like write slews of code. And then the hard part is he has to, then just has to sit down and actually blast it out. So <laughs> I don't know how true that is, but this is kind of how I imagine it because of the way that he thinks. Here us mere mortal developers are lying in bed counting DOM nodes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't know, just this amazing ability to do abstract thinking. Um, 
yeah, that that I I can't comprehend. Yeah, I I think it's I, I think it shows in in the quality of the framework and how much it can do. So I think that's excellent. Um, before we wrap up, um, I want to ask one more question about Vue three, and then just anything else that you you feel is important before we we finish. Are there any features of Vue three specifically that Quasar is utilizing uh, in in Quasar two that would be of interest to our listeners uh, at this point. At, at this point of recording, Vue three is still kind of getting adopted by the the community. We're still getting familiar with the composition API, some of the new functionality. Um, so, still still trying to feel it out and see see how it works. I'm just curious how Quasar is doing that. Yeah, um, I think the answer the, for the most part, the answer to this is no, not really. Which I think is a great answer and a testament to Vue. The fact that Vue 2 and Vue 3 have such a similar API means that it it was possible for Quasar to upgrade to version 2 so quickly. But the main thing is, like you said, like you mentioned, uh, the, the introduction of the composition API. So a lot of us were probably already using it in Vue 2 with the with the plugin. But yeah, being able to use the composition API by default is just awesome. Like in my own experience, organizing code now with the Composition API is absolute bliss. Being able to organize things by domain properly is amazing without having to use like weird things like mix-ins. I know you, people listening to this podcast have probably heard about this over and over again. Mix-ins suck. You know, we need the Composition API. It's so much better. When you actually do it in the real world, like when you're working on a large application and you're in that code every single day, and then all of a sudden, you can start plucking things out here and there all over the place. You're like, oh, this file's getting too long. I'm just going to literally cut paste it over here and it's going to work. Being able to do that is just amazing. And so the fact that I, we can do that out of the box with Quasar now is awesome. Like my components sit in folders now. They used to just be their own file because I never really bothered with, um, you know, especially for smaller projects, I never really bothered with um, pulling that logic apart. Now with the comp API, I'm starting to have folders for every component. And then I have my composables, um, you know, whatever sitting inside of there to make life a whole lot easier. So for me, that's the main thing. The composition API, it's it's just awesome for people that build large applications. Yeah. Yeah, I, I look forward in my, my professional life to using the composition API more. I've played with it, written blog posts about it. I really enjoy it. Can't wait to, to get to use it in production. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's wonderful. Oh, actually, that's one more thing I should quickly touch on is scalability, because I think this is a common question that people ask. Um, so, you know, it's, it's such a it's such a it's such a cliche now, like the words, does it scale well? But I, I think it's actually a pretty good question. Um, for me, it's often less a question of does it scale well and more a question of um is it going to survive the test of time? So I don't really think of it as scaling a lot of the time as much. It's, it's more like, you know, if you choose an SQL language, it's probably still going to be around and updating in, you know, a long period of time. But anyway, on, on the topic of scaling, um, Quasar's got the concept of app extensions, which allows you to extend Quasar to the nth degree. Like it, it's very easy to create an app extension that allows you to create your own Quasar components that builds off of other Quasar components. And a great example of this is Quasar's Q, um, 
calendar component, which was built by someone in the Quasar community called Jeff, right? So he's built out an entire calendar component. You could literally recreate Google Calendar with this component. It is insane. I've never seen anything like it in my life. So definitely check that out. Um, if you're interested in calendar components and you're interested in Quasar, the Q calendar component, um, the flexibility is, is amazing. And he built that with an app extension. And another thing you can do with app extensions is build your own component libraries. So at work, all of our components are actually built in app extensions. Well, almost all of them, right? So we put all of them in there. And that means that if we want to build mini apps, uh, we can easily do that because we'll have like our core application and it might have something like crop collection related stuff in it, livestock stuff. You'll be able to have a look at um, feedback, graphs and stuff like that. But then maybe we want to have an app just for rainfall. And so our main app can now take in those, um, rain, those rainfall related components and we can have another app that uses the same rainfall component and it's sitting in the same place. It is such a wonderful way to develop this way. Like the fact that I can have two apps that are basically using the same code, but they're completely different apps is insane to me. So like Quasar scales beautifully in that sense where you can easily abstract these concepts. But an another great example of this is authentication. Um, since I can tap in to the router, because you know Quasar applications are going to have a router, I know that's going to be available to me. I can create an app extension that will give you a login form, a, a whole login page. It can have, um, I can tap into the router and then I can basically allow the user to say, these are going to be the public routes. These are going to be the routes that you need to be logged into to visit. Um, I can put in all the stuff for like authenticating with Laravel Sanctum, for example, because you know I'm actually currently building an app extension for Laravel Sanctum. And so you will essentially be able to pull in, when I'm done with this extension, my Laravel Sanctum Quasar app extension and have authentication working with a couple of lines of code. And that's not because I'm smart. That's not because I've done anything amazing. That's because Quasar has made it so easy to extend the library. I can then just use their input components. I can use their form components. I can use their card components um, under the hood. And then all you have to do really is, is point to the page and the routes file. Like, in fact, I don't think you'll even need to do that. I could probably have an option that literally just creates the login page and all of that for you. Like, it's honestly, it is just, it is just mind blowing how well thought out this kind of stuff is. So with app extensions, you can create your own component, you can create your own component library, and you can even hook into stuff like View Router so that you can create things like your own authentication um, or you can even like create your own boot files. All that kind of stuff is going to be available to you um, when you build your own Quasar app extension. So I thought that was worth men mentioning as well. Definitely. So it sound, I mean, it sounds like if you're looking to build a new application and you're going to need anything, just use Quasar. <laughs> oh, if you're not using Quasar and you're in the view world, like get on it. Seriously, check this out. More people need to know about this. Like, I, 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 say, I say at the end of the, I have a podcast called the Quasar Life Podcast. And at the end of the podcast, um, my tagline is, and remember, you can build anything. And I, I never used to believe this about myself. I, like, I used to think that I used to always put these limits on myself when I was learning things in, in life. And I did it with piano where I was like, I'd hear somebody play a piece and I think, 
I can never play that. Or I'd see things that people built in the real world and think, man, I could never build something like that. Um, but, you know, years ago, I, I discovered I discovered this book by Tony Bazan called The Mind Map Book. And for whatever reason, that book made something click in my mind that made me realize that all you need to do is keep revisiting a topic over and over again and keep learning it and keep reviewing it and keep pushing your knowledge further 1% every single day. And if you do that, you truly can learn anything. You truly can master anything. Through that, I've been able to learn piano pieces that I never thought that I could play. And trust me, like I was a dumb, dumb as a kid. I am not a smart human being by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I, I personally I, disagree, but that's just me. Oh, thank you. <laughs> no, I, but I do take that as a compliment because like I was average, got average grades at school. I was terrible at maths and all that kind of thing. But because I, for some reason, I learned that if I'm persistent and I constantly review things in my life, that there is nothing I can't learn. I just started out working people. Like I, I was the worst person when I was at piano. In fact, my piano teacher said to me, um, Luke, you are the worst pianist here by far. He actually said that to me, my piano teacher. Like I, I, used to, I went to bed crying that night and I wanted to, I was over in the other side of Australia to study piano. And this is the first thing he says to me in my first piano lesson. Like that, that tears you to pieces when this is something that, you know, that you're, you're passionate about and that you want to be your life. And then, and then I, I come across this book and at the end of my piano course, I ended up getting the highest recital mark of everybody um, in my year. And I promise you, my piano teacher was right. I promise you that it is not because I'm smart. It's because I learned this one thing that I truly can learn anything. And if you're listening to this podcast, check out Quasar, have a crack at it, like try and build your own applications. And I think you too will discover that if you stick at it and you learn all of these components, that there truly is nothing that you can't build in the web dev world. All you have to do is come up with a plan and keep executing on it every single day. Find those gaps in your brain, keep working at it, and you truly can learn to build absolutely any app that you like. And Quasar is just going to make it a hell of a lot faster. Well, awesome. That sounds like a that sounds like excellent advice that someone should take. Um, and I second it. Definitely check out Quasar. If you're a React developer, check out Quasar anyway. View is not that scary, I promise. Thank you so much. No, oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Of course. All right. That is it for today. Thank you all for listening to the Modern Web Podcast, where we talked about Quasar. And thank you to our guest, Luke Diebold. As always, the conversation does not stop here. You can find Luke on Twitter at Luke Diebold, and you can find me online on Twitter at Lindsay K. Wardell. As for the podcast, you can find us online at moderndotweb.com, modern.web.com, or on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. And we'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening. podcast is sponsored by this.labs, a framework agnostic consultancy that specializes in JavaScript. You can find them at this.co slash labs. That's T-H-I-S-D-O-T dot C-O slash labs. For all of your friends and you.